It's spooky season here on the Pete the Planner Show. When the days of October turn to the nights of cold, little goblins trick or treat, and will they be met with savings bonds? Or will they be met with Snickers bars? We'll explore that next on the Pete the Planner Show. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. Hi, uh, hi, hi, everybody. Uh, hi, Kristen. Hello, Dame. How are you? <laughs> we're, we're all right. We're fine. Well, that was that was fun, though, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, it was great. I'm, the kids will love it. We got weights and fish. There we go. <laughs> uh, if you have not seen the video in which there is a walleye fishing tournament and there are cheaters stuffing lead weights inside the bellies of fish, I encourage you to find that video and watch it hundreds of times like I have this week. And please do not have children in the room yes. or people with a sensitivity yes. <laughs> to aggressive profanity because it is the greatest video ever, but it is quite blue. Aggressive. Dame, have you heard any feedback from your tale of escape last week uh, from the podcast? No, nobody uh, said, glad you made it. Uh, you know, nothing like that. I was just kind of looked over and uh, I'm, I'm just a, a speed bump in the, the process of the show is what it feels like now at this point. I even made the podcast title clickbaity. You did. Apes from yes, a hurricane. you did. He's a hurricane and no one cares. <laughs> I I even put my follow up comment was don't worry I made it and nobody gave it a like it was just out there in the ether it was just okay great congratulations uh, Kristen uh, got a four in her grad school course right is that what we're talking about yeah the first half of my grad school program and what is the course specifically well it was five or six different courses, but the one I just finished was a case studies course. So it was bringing investment management, insurance, et cetera, together um, to end that core curriculum. <laughs> We've got a Facebook user suggesting in the live chat right now that Damien is a cockroach because he's I'm just a survivor. Assuming that's Jeremiah still. Yeah. Uh, well, happy spooky season, everybody. Uh, I will say here in central Indiana, we have got fall actual seasonal fall cool nights cool days my my carcass was built for this um kristen you i mean last couple of years you've been spending in yuma and texas where it's just hotter oh. than all get out how are you feeling about this i'm cold you guys <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> Uh, Todd makes a good point. Amazon is paying roughly $70 million for each Thursday night football game this season. I assume that will be this week's biggest waste of money of the week. I don't know, man. That was terrible football. The Broncos and Colts last night. Uh, four kicks to three kicks is what won, won that game. So that's that's not fun football. You're, did you make the joke about just as many kicks in the all valley karate championship was that your I joke did. yes that was great <laughs> thank you and then i spent the morning uh, deleting all of my uh, <laughs> aggressive tweets from last night okay uh you know i got all day today really so uh alas people want to have their financial lives fixed so we'll get to that um 
before we get started, anybody got anything on their mind? They just want to get out there? Any fun little nuggets or anything? I'm not oh, fun. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a really interesting point, Kristen. None of us are fun. No. <laughs> I think Kristen's fun. That's uh, we all, oh, reunion is next week. So that we will true. all be uh, gathering around all of the your money liners. I've been trying to think of what we could call ourselves, like the liners. Do you like the liners? Mm. No. No. Y- YMLers. I'm, I'm. My team's that already be got a. Better. My team's already got a name. I'm fine with it. How about the money friends? We call ourselves the MFers. Money friends. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's good. Talking. Let's get Let's t-shirts with that. that. Okay. Ah. All right. Just workshopping a few things. You and your ghost. Spooky season. Spooky season. All right, let's start the show. I got to get ready. Uh, It's an email. We got an email this week. And it says, don't care that Dame's okay. I did have two people reach out to me to say something about it. So if that makes you feel any better. Your sister and your mom don't count. One was wow. my aunt. Thank you. Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, starting the show. And <laughs> damn, I just saw that image you sent through. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> and three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. And here's what will happen. We will possibly answer your question on the radio by we i mean the survivor of a drive damien dunn who fled hurricane ian last week joins us and Kristen elanius miscellaneous 4.0 grad student uh hello everybody hello, pete. hello we got an email this week it says hello pete and co i believe that's like company mm. our our child is four and we plan for him to go to college one day. <laughs> how how are you going to put all the classes in there? One day? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm not oh, sold. Jokes. Well, I mean, what do you get? Uh, I'm not sold on using a 529 plan to pay for it. We'll be in our 50s and plan to be retired by that point. We'll have the ability to pay for college out of Roth IRAs, a 457B, or even a health savings account, depending on how we want to handle taxes. We still have a lot of tax advantage space available. So put I'm going to pause there because maybe that's going to make more sense to me here in a second. What does he mean we have plenty, a lot of tax advantage space available? Do you guys get a grasp of what that means? I'm guessing they're not maxing out their various opportunities and they're they have 457, Roths, HSAs, whatever the case may be. So, Okay. That makes sense now. So putting money in a 529 instead of a retirement account just doesn't seem like the best option, especially since our state, a Tennessee, uh, doesn't have tax incentives for contributing to a 529. As long as I am mentally separating college money from retirement money and have a plan to access that money without penalty, is our current plan fine or am I missing a major benefit? Thanks and love the show, Jason. Uh, Kristen, on the surface, is Jason missing anything? Jason from Tennessee, as they call him in the biz, is he missing anything? Maybe not, but seeing that they want to retire at 50 
and that they're not maxing out their tax advantaged accounts. In my head, I'm kind of having a little trouble balancing that because that's a pretty aggressive retirement schedule to not be fully taking advantage of those spaces. So that gives me pause. Yeah, yeah, Dame, I started doing the math on that too. So young uh, Jason Jr. is four. Uh, His parents will be you know, 14 years from now, they'll be in their fifties. I'm guessing them at probably younger forties now, maybe 40, 41. Uh, and then you start looking at how they're going to take money out. They're going to take money out via Roth, which means they're likely, since they're not going to be 59 and a half, they're going to take out the contributions. Then they've got the 457 B and then the health savings account, which is sort of a weird way to fund anything other than expense, health expenses. So where are you lining up on this? Um, I don't, I'm not in favor of this. I, I now there's plenty of variables that we don't know. I we don't know if there are uh, pensions that are going to fund their retirement that are going to be great. We don't know how much they spend a year. We don't know what they're on track for for Social Security. We know they have to have something set aside if they plan to be retired in their fifties, but we don't know how much that's going to take to get to bridge that gap to where these other streams of income may kick in. I mean, maybe they've got a ton of rentals and they're they're living. Uh, off of uh, the the income that the passive income that those are generating, so it, if I give them the benefit, if I give Jason the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, he's got income for retirement wrapped up, I still don't know if I'm in favor of using other accounts as a primary college funding vehicle other than a 529, even if his state, Tennessee, doesn't give an income tax uh, credit or deduction for state taxes because Tennessee doesn't have state income taxes. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I, we've talked, Pete, you and I have talked about this on the show before. We like to keep retirement funds set for retirement and college education funds set for college. And if there's maybe a little bit of squishy, uh, unsuredness about a child going to college, maybe then you can start dabbling in Roth IRAs or maybe even an unqualified account to keep options open. But if you want college funds to be in use for college, I still think a 529 is the right way to go. So you don't have to worry about taking money away from your future security and retirement and dipping into those accounts. Yeah. Kristen, what's the downside of using a 529 here? Like, like what's the worst that can happen? The kid just doesn't go to school, right? Yeah, and they have to pay the penalty on the earnings. Um, I guess is really the only thing, but I'm I'm not really on the same page as Dame about this. Uh-oh. I think oh, fight if, club. I know. If we give the emailer the benefit of the doubt and they have their ducks in a row to retire at 50 and they have the funds that they need um and they're well established, I think that they have the ability to separate the funds either on a spreadsheet or in their head that they might have earmarked for school. I don't think everybody can do that. And that generally wouldn't be my advice. Most of the time I would be on the same page as Dame and say, use the account for what it's originally intended for. But I think maybe in this case, Jason can pull it off. Uh, that's, not, that's not how it works, Kristen. I, people don't keep mental accounting like that. It, it just doesn't work. If, if you want to have a separate account, have a separate account for this. Uh, if, if you want to use something for college that's not a 529, use a non-qualified plan. But I, I get really uncomfortable when people start trying to uh, play games with their their funds and say, well, if it doesn't if this doesn't happen, then I'm going to use it for that or this. I have a clear designated purpose for the funds that you're spending. Don't 
dabble with mental accounting, just set it up. On this very spooky version of the Pete the Planner show, Dame and Kristen battle to the death. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I'm kind of somewhere between you guys on this because um, I, I agree with the mental accounting is harder than you think. I would like to give Jason the benefit of the doubt, but here's where I'm really struggling. We're missing so much information here. Yes. So much information. Like there has to be pensions. And, and I'm going to say this because it's 457B. Mm-hmm. C- clearly this person works for a governmental entity <laughs> Uh, so there has to be pensions, and I feel like I feel like he just forgot to put that in there, assuming maybe we'd figure it out. But I would like to know that for sure. Uh, but it also explains how a person who's not maxing out their plans is able That's to retire true. in their fifties, because then you've got you you know your you know your math was it uh, you got to get to eighty or eighty five with whatever that calculation is on a pension. What is that, Dame? I mean, you're a person. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, But, you know, I will say here's where the mental accounting sort of gets weird in these situations and not necessarily Jason's is where you have two kids and one 529 and you're like, well, half of it's for Rick and the other half for his brother, Dick. And it's like, well, that's that's not going to work because inevitably Dick's going to use it all and then there'll be no money left for Rick. Dick. So can't they just open another Roth? Or no? I mean, they. I mean, they could uh, just call it the education Roth, but it's yeah. just the Roth. I mean, yeah, then they could. Then there's no mental accounting, Dame. Oh, I, I still don't like it. I still don't <laughs> like it. Uh, you know what? I kind of like that's a good solution, Kristen. That's what I'm saying. Just establish I'm, a separate account. I'm. I'm actually. I'm really kind of tickled that the uh, UGMA or UPMA wasn't mentioned as one of the possible uh, <laughs> solutions here. I'm just, so, you know, on that note, I'll say, Jason, do whatever you want because you didn't <laughs> mention that. But I'm, I don't know. There's so many questions. And the best news for Jason is one of us is surely right. He's just going to have to decide which one. <laughs> you know, my favorite part about this, though, honestly, is that uh, there is a way for someone in their younger 40s who isn't independently wealthy, who isn't maxing out all of their vehicles to say, I'm going to be retired in 14 years. That's that's wild and wildly unusual in the in the day and age in which we live. And, and that is why some people choose to work for government entities, because you can yeah. pull that sort of thing off. Absolutely. Go, Jason. All right, coming up after the break. So you realize that you need to make a behavior change, but you don't know where the toolbox exists that has the changes in it. We'll show you that toolbox next. I'm Peter Dunn. I'm just trying something different there. No? (laughs) That was great. Beautiful. Uh, I was accused of doing too many voices on the show last week and that people were playing drinking games to my voices, which I think is complete garbage. So, Dame, did you watch the show last week before you popped in and told us your tale? Um, I jumped in when I thought you would be in the third segment to see how things were going. And uh, I kind of scrolled through the comments that were being made. And I saw lots of drink uh, being being thrown in there. And so I was like, oh. And then I think you said it on the outro of the third segment. Saying, oh, there's a voice drink. And so I, I picked up on it. Uh, do either of you have any thoughts on President Biden's executive order or not executive order, his uh, pardon of simple 
federal marijuana charges and and exonerating people in those charges anybody have any thoughts on that uh i i think uh some i guess i'll call it reform. i think some reform has been needed in that area for a long time i also think the timing of this is rather curious okay skeptic always um i think uh since don't ask i think uh, <laughs> i'm not a i'm not a marijuana guy it's not my vice right I, uh, i've got various other vices that are much softer um but i think this was long overdue and while i hear you on that dame like the timing any anything timing wise feels weird right now you know six weeks from, away from midterm uh, there's no time like the present to exonerate someone from some BS charge. You know what that I'm saying? True. That is true. I will. Uh, I don't know. I, I was in a two hour meeting yesterday, got out and saw that news. I was like, eh, okay, well, yeah, that's great. Good. Good for that. Okay. Money and green candy. It's a euphemism for marijuana. That's, I don't know. Not my thing, but whatever. Old. Didn't, didn't you have a company named green candy? We're moving on. I have no idea what that was because you cut out on my side. Man, hey, damn, you, you gotta, gotta figure, figure out your audio. audio. I'm not thinking it's coming from my side. Well, Kristen can hear me perfectly fine, right, Kristen? That's true. Uh oh, yes. <laughs> Kristen, two to one. Well, you know what? I'll just uh, step back out and come back in in the fourth segment. And you guys can handle things from here. <laughs> Probably not because you're supposed to lead the next segment. So, which starts in three, two, one. Back on the Pete Planner show, you know, let's say you realize things are not going the way you want them to go in your financial life. And you think, I got to make a change. I got to make a behavior change. But that is hard to do. And it is hard to make those changes stick. Damian Dunn circulated a piece somewhere around this topic this week amongst our people. <laughs> and he is here to share his findings, his, his extensive research project, which involved clicking in reading <laughs> dame what do we need to know i don't want to take more credit than i need to it would, technically it was emailed to me so all i had to do was open an email and start <laughs> reading i didn't really have to hunt for it all that much so uh but yes uh, tons of research time taken up to this pete you and i at one point in our lives were financial advisors true and we as part of that uh, role gave people advice on how to uh, change their financial lives, uh, reach their financial goals. Sometimes that advice was heeded. Sometimes it was not. Would you agree with that? 100% true. Uh, I would note one of the more infuriating, infuriating thing was when someone would ask me what I thought, what they should do. I would tell them what to do. And they would dismiss that idea and say, well, what's another idea? <laughs> so basically, <laughs> what's your second best piece of advice? Yeah. That always made me go nuts. Yeah. Well, Pete, it turns out uh, our experiences weren't all that uncommon. According to a study, follow me on this, 70% of financial planning clients implement less than 20% of the recommendations they're given. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I would have guessed on that because I didn't read the data. I, I would have said it's probably higher than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, who... <laughs> This is a best efforts uh, study that was given to financial advisors. So it, it they may be padding their their own stats a little bit here. But yeah, so the bottom line is a lot of the advice that's given to people, even if it's in their own best interest, isn't followed. So what this this piece suggests is people need to consider 
commitment devices. That's right. Commitment devices. Am I, should I be thinking like a, something abstract or should I be thinking something that you can buy at a radio shack? Like, what are we, what are we talking here? Uh, <laughs> maybe somewhere in between. I will, we'll discover this. There are nine suggestions over three different categories of somebody's financial life. All right. The first one in general is improving investment behavior, which is something that I think a lot of people are probably struggling with right now with the volatility, we'll call it, in the markets. Uh, the first suggestion is an investment policy statement. Pete, did you ever use investment policy statements with your no, clients? No. And, and in fact, uh, I have to say that I feel like you introduced me to uh, IPSs. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did a version of it where a person just writes themselves a letter that says, mm -hmm. uh, hey, open this when the market looks nuts. And they open it and they're like, hey, nothing's changed. The market's just going nuts. Your, your goals have not changed. Settle down. But Which yeah. is not an IPS, but it can be a, a good reminder. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, are you familiar with IPSs? Yeah, actually. So I would also like the record to show that I was an investment advisor for like a minute. That's true. You were. I totally forgot about that. I'm a Thank you. Wow. Um, I apologize. I love, <laughs> I love I this, like conflict. I this conflict today. Is so um, but the class that I just finished up that we mentioned earlier, you were required to put an investment policy statement in your financial plan. So academically, that's something that's being taught across the board at this point. Well, Miss Know-It-All, do you want to take a quick uh, explanation to the listeners about what an IPS is? Well, an investment policy statement isn't a one-size-fits-all thing. So our example that we were given was just um, a one-pager that the planner would provide to the client that had some key metrics. What is your risk tolerance? What is the purpose of this specific account, et cetera? But investment policy statements I think based on what I was reading as part of my class can be very, very in depth. No? Oh yes. Yeah, totally. Uh, some of the, the IPSs that we did were for like community foundations where we got really into the, the weeds on what sort of investments were allowed, yeah. what the range of return, uh, investment return was supposed to be. Uh, and it really just guides and structures your investing life so that when times like this come along, as long as you're abiding by your IPS, there's really not a whole lot for you to do. You just weather the storm and move on because you're thinking about these IPSs in more sane and stable times to give you the, uh, you know, the, I don't know, the, the courage to, to try and get through times like this. That was a good word for it. Uh, what other devices related to investment behavior can a person utilize? This one is more advisor based, but I think it's a really interesting idea. It's a fee reduction reward. What? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're charging AUM fees, it says if you're charging AUM fees, you can offer a fee reduction reward to, your, to the client for staying invested as suggested. For example, suppose <laughs> the client starts off with a 1% AUM fee. You can offer a 15 BIP reduction if they stay invested and follow the plan for the first three years. I have never, ever heard of anyone doing anything remotely close to this. Have you, Dame? No. I've actually heard this concept before. I don't know anybody that's implemented it, but I have heard of the concept. C Kristen, do you think that would keep someone invested? <sighs> no, because you're not generally writing a check for your investment advice. So that money, I think a lot of people, I think it feels like play money, even though you might see your quarterly fee or however it's billed to you. 
I don't know that that really changes anything, but I like the idea. The weird thing is, okay, so you're trying to reward behavior during bad times, like reward good behavior in bad times. So if a person's account is falling and you go to reward them, the advisor is making less because there's less under management and they're lowering their fee. So I, unless the reward comes after the climb again, I don't see that happening. There, I, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to say <laughs> 99 out of 100 advisors would, would not do this. I, I, and I'm only hedging because I don't like absolutes. I've we, never we, even considered this for anyone. We only make more money when you make money, more money, Pete. I can't <laughs> with that today. I can't with that today. What is the third device to improve uh, investing behavior? Stop loss orders. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. That's that's smart, right? That, yeah, that way you don't have to think about it. You know that you've set your bottom dollar, and once it hits that, you're going to go to cash and deal with the consequences. Whatever happens after that happens. It really prevents you from betting your bottom dollar. Yeah. It was an Annie reference. Yeah. I, we're, we're both bald, so I, I think we're we're battling for the role of whatever that guy's name was. Daddy Warbucks. Uh, Kristen, um, stop loss orders for someone who holds ETFs or mutual funds. I mean, that's something that people typically aren't going to do. This is probably going to be for individual equities, right? Yes. And in the article, they point out that a lot of people aren't trading individual equities anyway. Um, but I did want to ask, I, I want to circle back to two really quickly if we can, which, so who decides if the client did what they were supposed to do? Does the investment policy statement govern that? Cause I'm, I'm still really kind of struggling with this. Well, it's like when my kids, I say, have good behavior and I'll take you for ice cream. They're like, do we have good behavior? And I'll be like, subjective. Eh, no, not really. You didn't bring me uh, my <laughs> chips. So maybe that's how the advisor gets out of it. I don't want to throw advisors under the bus because we are very pro advisor around here, but we are also trying to be very transparent that I've just literally have never heard of anyone doing this. Would you be, but you're not against the idea. Do you, do you think it would mo- motivate uh, an investor to uh, just no. toe the line? No, not a chance. <laughs> do you? Probably not. But <laughs> okay. let's, 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 I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> It's so altruistic, but almost pointlessly altruistic. I think it's a relationship building tool more than anything else to, to keep, uh, keep the assets where they are. Coming up after the break, more behavior reinforcement devices. And I don't mean shock callers. That's next right here. I'm Pete the Planner. I, that was a comment for Kristen, the shock caller, because I think most dog lovers hate shot callers you call them an e-collar and then people don't get as upset about it really i didn't know that my dog has an e-collar uh mandy makes a really interesting point on the live stream i would not think option two would be compliance friendly that's an amazing point so uh, for everyone who doesn't understand what that means in in our industry in the financial industry there's a compliance department that is there to protect everyone involved, but sure. primarily the broker dealer, um, and 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 to make sure that people don't get sued or you're you're being on the up and up. And uh, sometimes compliance shut down shuts down otherwise good ideas because they don't 
pass the sniff test of legality or something that can't be sued. And I think she makes a good point there. Probably. Probably. <clears throat> All right. So here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> we are going to do another segment. And we just, we'll pick it back up. Uh, what's the next um, area? Well, we've got, we've got choices. If, if we think we might only make it through one of these sections, I want to make sure we get to the one we want. We can do improving savings behavior or improving spending behavior. Uh, Kristen? Um, there's probably not as much on the spending behavior as I'm kind of like glancing it. I think that the saving behavior, there's probably more meat on that bone. Okay, let's go. Kristen, what was your undergrad GPA? Not that good. <laughs> not a 4.0? No, not a 4.0. And Dame, Over three, did. but less than four. Dame, I, I assume if we had to rank how our GPAs went in undergrad, it went Kristen, Dame, and me. I would assume that's probably <laughs> correct, too. Okay. I think Maybe I I'll have... tell you about the story. <laughs> oh, there's a story? <laughs> yeah. Is it worth sharing on the radio? I don't want people to think I'm not qualified to give advice. What about me? <laughs> just, it's I mean, just geez. a whole thing. <laughs> okay, well, maybe at reunion. But we'll, we'll do it over a, a beverage at reunion. Um, all right, let's do a show. And three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking behavior reinforcement devices. You're thinking like a, like a nicotine patch? Like a... Like a Nicorette, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, what we're talking about, investment and savings and uh, spending behavior modification devices. Damien Dunn has done an extensive research project on this that involves opening an email and having his eyes tickle the words until he consumes the information and then regurgitates it like a mama bird feeding a baby right here on the radio show. So, Dame... Kristen, your face, what was your face doing there? Just really taking that statement in. Thanks for that. Just trying to paint a picture. Dame, let's do savings devices. Improving savings behavior, something that uh, a fair number of people can struggle with. We've got three suggestions on how to improve savings. Number one, automate it. I mean, that's just come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, but it's something we say that. We say that, but I don't think a lot of people take advantage of it. Kristen, do you agree? I mean, the research from the beginning of the article suggests that people don't implement the recommendations. So, yes. So that that is, if I think about the easiest way to improve a person's financial life, this has to be at the top of the list, right? Yes. 100%. We think about how easy it is to contribute to retirement accounts through payroll deduction that's automated. That's that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Whether you're setting up a an automated transfer from your checking account to a savings account, maybe you take the step of having uh, part of your paycheck sent directly to a savings account, um, set up automated transfers for 529s or Roths or, or whatever the case may be. If you don't have to think about it, there's a much better chance that it's going to happen consistently. Yeah. I mean, there are people who can take payday and then jump in and do a transfer on payday. 
You know what I mean? Like jump in, transfer from checking to savings or make a deposit here or there, which maybe is the second best way to do that. But automation's pretty great. You know, Kristen, do you ever wonder, uh, you're, a, you're a, a younger person than Damien, who's, who's definitely more in the middle-aged group. But do you ever think about what people did prior to <laughs> digital money? Like, how, how did this get done then? I, I would have struggled because I automate everything. I know what day expenses are going to come out of my checking account. My retirement contributions are automatic. But I will say that, not to throw him under the bus, my dad doesn't do any of that. So I see people who like are on the complete opposite end of that spectrum. And I just can't imagine spending that much time like calling AT&T to pay my phone bill, you know? Dane, what did people do in terms of funding accounts prior to like digital money? Uh, they use these things called checks and put them in envelopes and use these things called stamps Ugh. and use the United States Postal Service to be the intermediary to complete these transactions. And it took days, days, <laughs> days. days. I, I remember in uh, high school, I used to mail checks to Putnam because <laughs> I was investing in Putnam Growth Fund. Uh, I remember writing checks to Putnam Growth Fund and I feel like probably American funds. And there was another one. I can't think of it, but maybe Dreyfus or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty wild, Frank- right? Franklin Templeton. Could have been. Yeah. I cannot imagine. I didn't have a checkbook until like two months ago. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just didn't. So. How is that possible? What do you need to write a check for? Investing in Dreyfus mutual funds. ACH. I, I, Dame, is that a little surprising to you to hear? Yes. <laughs> I. Sorry. I don't. Have, I don't know. Do you buy your have. groceries? <laughs> <laughs> she takes her jar of loose change. I would be more prone to do that than write a check. Uh, Jason makes a good point in the Facebook live chat. Kristen makes him feel very old. <laughs> Sorry, so Jason. Imagine working with her on a daily basis. Dame, what other devices uh, should a person use? Clearly not checks. What? What else? <laughs> uh, the idea of using restricted savings accounts. So you're going to put more money into, you know, retirement type accounts, 529s, uh, life insurance, if you're so inclined to use whole life insurance, uh, accelerate the payment of your mortgage, try and make sure there is some friction between you and the money that you are attempting to save. Restricted accounts to me makes it seem like put money into a CD or something. That's that's the way I read that. I, I think that would you didn't read anything, but well, I, I, mean, I think I your yeah. I, I think uh, I think a CD would be a perfectly fine uh, way to go about this. But you know, we, we often say, you know what, if if you want to try and build an emergency fund, but you've got a a track record of raiding your savings account for non-emergency purposes, try and figure out a way to put some barrier to access between you and that uh, that account, whether that's using a bank across town that you, you rarely drive past or uh, an online savings account, something where you know it's going to take you um, some concerted effort to get to that money. I, I think that could even potentially be considered under a restricted savings account. 
What, where, what is this? Go ahead, Kristen. Where does that fall apart, though? Because the barrier that you place is only as effective as your as you not wanting to like withstand whatever the consequences. And if you're someone who behaviorally tends to just kind of do what you want in this space, do I really care that I had to pay the interest penalty on the money that was in a CD? You've got to know yourself. I mean, it's the same reason why some people can uh, start cleaning up their diet and still keep some of the same trash food in their house because they Oh, spooky season going spooky on behind season. me. Look at that. <laughs> well, there's no visual references on the radio. People don't know what's happening, but yeah. Damien looks like he's at a rave, and we need to put a yes. disclaimer in the live stream to make sure that no one begins to have neurological issues. <laughs> Chris, it's what? spooky season. <laughs> I think that light died. Sorry about that, everyone. That's what it looked like. It uh, was. So obviously, I think the investing uh, devices, behavior devices were were really solid. These so far and the savings ones are solid, but they just seem incredibly obvious. What is the third one? This one's I, I already think you're going to flip out on this one. You know, mm-hmm. well, like I'm going to be upset about it. Yeah, you're not going to like it. Oh, yes. Let's go. <laughs> Tax withholding. What's that now, Chuck? Tax withholding. <laughs> Have more taxes withheld from your paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) So, look, I I actually don't, I don't care if people get big refunds in lieu of having more cash flow. That doesn't bother me because I feel like sometimes it's accidental and you just don't fix it. Or like you set it up wrong one way and then you get used to it. But to go in to do that mechanism assumes that all of the sudden you're going to be a, a a wizard with money when the big chunk comes in in April. I, I, that doesn't make sense to me. I want to like it. <laughs> you want to like it? I want to like it because, and here's why, and I know we're almost out of time, but it requires someone to make two good decisions, the withholding decision, and then make a good decision with the refund versus making a good decision every payday. So I almost want to like it from a behavioral perspective, but I don't know if I could get on board. I, I actually really like that thinking, Kristen. If it the, the less good decisions you have to make, the better, which is the point of automation and probably the point of this whole thing. Uh, Dame, you want to put a bow on this before we head to break? Uh, if you're really struggling with any of these, there's a universal commitment device for all behavior. Make your intention public. Put it on social. Tell your friends. Tell your family. That way they can guilt you into it and shame you later if you fail. Hey, guys. A lot of you have been wondering where I got this cool Smokey the Bear hat. I got it in Nashville. You know, like an influencer? Is that what you mean? Yes, exactly. Yes. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. I'm Pete the Planner. Kristen, do you have a Smokey the Bear hat that all the ladies are wearing these days? I don't know if I know what that is. Is I'm that really something? You. Well, I think, you know who Smokey the Bear is? Yeah. Okay, do you know he has a hat? Yes. Oh, that hat. Yeah, the hat that like that women of your hat. age wear all the time and then and you like throw on, you know, whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. that hat. I, uh, I call I, it Smokey the Bear hat. I don't know what it's called. 
I genuinely thought you were talking like a ball cap with Smokey the Bear on it. I was really That's, confused. Yeah, I, I was very confused. And no, I don't have anything like this. I did Google it just to be sure. You have a cowboy hat, though. No. I have a big hat. I can't wear a hat. You have a big head? I do have a very big head. I'm going to stare at it next week when I see you. <laughs> Please don't. Oh, my gosh. Here comes Sputnik. <laughs> also, I have a big forehead, too. I have a five head. I've never noticed you had a big forehead. I have a big forehead. Man, you're really... Anything else about you I can really pick apart next week when we're all together? <laughs> oh, no, please don't. I mean, compared to Pete and I, it looks very small. That's true. Um, That's I have to tell everyone... Um, oh, my gosh, Caitlin. <laughs> I'm sorry. Live stream people are really <laughs> Caitlin, <laughs> Kristen's sister says, her big head has to hold the ego. <laughs> That's kind, Caitlin. So Caitlin also has a really big forehead. And one time, one of our wow, friends. Wow, now said, we're talking about people. <laughs> well, we look the same. So we, it's one of the traits that we share. And one of our friends said that you could land a 747 on her forehead. Mm. That's how big Jeez, they are. That's so. could we uh, could, could we send Caitlin a link to the show so she could join us and we could just watch the two of them? That would be funny sometimes. Caitlin just exited the live stream just now, just to avoid that. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> she's oh, gone. <laughs> well, she doesn't like uh, like the public speaking sort of no. thing. No. Uh, by the way, there's no show next week, everybody. No podcast, no radio show, no live stream. I'm going to be in Manhattan at this time next week. You so, mean in, in some Manhattans or in the Manhattan? Probably Manhattan during the day in Manhattan's at night. Nice. Uh, but yeah, kids first trip to New York. So we'll see what happens. I think at this point of time, we will be in st- inside the Statue of Liberty at this time next Friday. Wow. Uh, Lady Liberty, up and close and personal. Uh, where's the voice? I don't. It's so dumb. I'm just, Drink. just dumb. Drink. Let's do Boam and News and then Vamanos, which is Spanish for. Let's go. I don't know. <laughs> hey, oh, uh, let's say, can I make some work related comments that no one cares about because no one works with us that listens sure. to the show? Um, we have a new coworker who makes her own gourmet ice cream. That's like her hobby. Gourmet ice cream? Like she was telling me some of the flavors that she makes. Sir. Sir. What? Intense. Does she make enough for everybody? She said she is going to bring some in sometime. And I was like, hey, you don't need to do that to gain favor with everyone. But you do need it to gain favor with me. There I mean, is. I think, I think some, sometime could very easily be next week to get the maximum benefit for everyone. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, that's it. That's all that work comments okay. I have. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. In three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the Caviar Daytona iPhone 14 Pro. With the recent launch of the iPhone 14 Pro, Caviar has updated its top-line ultra-luxury case for the new release. The Caviar Daytona combines the analog and digital by adding a Rolex Daytona to the iPhone case, an actual mechanical chronograph, Rolex Daytona. The case draws inspiration, like the Daytona, from racing cars and features three decorative gauges and three toggle switches 
in addition to the Rolex. A one-of-one creation, the Daytona includes an iPhone 14 Pro Max. I assume that means the phone as well. Kristen. Uh, Why do I have to go first? What do you think this iPhone 14 case costs a brother? It includes the phone, you said? It includes the phone, yeah. Whatever you're thinking, double it. Oh. Don't don't help her out here. You guys (laughs) fought the whole show, and now you're helping her? Well, originally I was going to say five grand, but now I'm nervous. Okay, we'll say ten grand. Okay, say ten. Ten. Okay, ten grand. Uh, uh, David? Uh, This this has got to be $85,000. Damn, should have doubled it. $134,000. Oh, my gosh. Two hundred and fifty dollar dame what's in the news this week Kristen, the, the daytona the watch itself was going to be like like probably 20 or 15 to 20 anyway your phone tells you the time yes but it's not a rolex phone wow i know uh pete since it's spooky season as you've pointed out a few times spooky season wag survey uh, that's i'm assuming that's a Pet magazine? Wives, or and, girlfriends. Girlfriends. Wives and girlfriends. Yes. Uh, found that 30% of dog parents and 26% of cat parents expect to spend more than $50 on their pet's Halloween costume this year. Mm. In- interestingly, only 44% of individuals who responded to the survey anticipated the cost of their human child's costume exceeding $50. Uh, what have been your best pet costumes that you've had for your pets over the years. I have three that worked out really uh, actually four. Uh, we had a pug named Otis, the black pug. One year we dressed him as a Dalmatian. We bought like a toddler's Dalmatian costume and we dressed him as Dalmatian. One year he was a hot dog. And one year he was, he was a rabbi. We got him like a, a like a, <laughs> a, a yarmulke, like a little prayer cloth. <clears throat> Did he have curls? Uh, no, no, no. We didn't do the curls. What about you, Kristen? Best dog costumes for Mojito and Daiquiri um, or whatever the other dog's name is? <laughs> Her name's Kalua. You were close. Okay. Um, so the only Halloween costume I've ever done for them was I took a sheet and like cut eye holes and a nose hole so they could be ghosts. That's the only mm-hmm. thing I've ever done. And that cost me nothing. So that's nice. Dame, and you dress your pets? No. <laughs> no. I'm not fun. We we established this. That's, that's, that's fair. fair. What else is in the news? Don't trust Jim Cramer? Well, now you can put your money where your heart is. A new inverse ETF filed with the SEC Wednesday will invest in basically the opposite of what the Mad Money host recommends. The investment strategy of doing the opposite of what Cramer says to do has been running a uh, running joke for years. One Twitter account dedicated to the practice has over 100,000 followers. But although he's perhaps best known for recommending Bear Stearns stock weeks ahead of its 2008 collapse... Past studies have shown that in aggregate, Kramer's predictions are mostly mild. Uh, that doesn't mean the inverse ETF concept can't work. Uh, SARK, S-A-R-K, an ETF that bets against Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation Fund is up 60% year to date, while ARK itself is down 59% because that's how inverses work uh, over the same period. Uh, and Tuttle Capital Management, the creator of SARC, is also behind the Kramer Fund. The inverse Kramer ETF is just the latest in a string of starkey funds that give investors the opportunity to put money behind their doubts or faith in a given figure. In September, the SEC received filings for two, two, two ETFs that would mimic the trades of lawmakers. I would totally get in the lawmakers fund. 
I think that is amazing. I have to note on Monday, Jim Cramer uh, tweeted, or, or there was a joke, uh, or I guess this might have been satire. Someone had a Jim Cramer account tweet. It's un, it's incredibly unlikely that Russia will use nuclear weapons. And a person retweeted it and said, get to your bunkers immediately. <laughs> That's bad. That's uh, the best. He's the best. I don't know why. It's not like we're making fun of him, but he was, he's been so massively wrong while being so confident that he's massively right that it is kind of funny. Yeah, and it's. I, I think part of it's just him and his delivery. His, he's not a calm person. He is very, very aggressive in his picks. Can I ask a technical question? Sure. Sure. How is he allowed to do that? He doesn't have clients. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I always wonder, he has to disclose his positions in relation to mm -hmm. what he's saying. He'll say, oh, I'm long Amazon and Amazon's going to go down or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same reason some some radio personalities can get away with giving uh, general investment advice because they don't have clients. Dame, uh, you didn't bring up the Dave Portnoy uh, barstool <laughs> investing video that you and I were enjoying this week. No, I did not uh, because video clips don't play well on the radio. So I thought I'd skip that. But uh, if you're familiar with Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool, uh, he picked up day trading. Uh, during the pandemic and killed it for quite a while because, well, yeah. everything was going up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then things started to turn for him and his his fortunes. And uh, the video just kind of walks you through the emotions of doing really well and then struggling. By <laughs> date. Kristen, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but now I'm going to look it up. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Uh, not as amazing as Weights and Fish. Uh, there we go. Are but it's you? a pretty good video. Dane, uh, what else is the news? In a cautionary tale for all influencers, Kim Kardashian is going to have to pay $1.26 million to settle an SEC investigation into her allegedly shady promotion of the crypto asset Ethereum Max. But if we can't trust a celebrity shilling crypto, who can we trust, Pete? Uh, according to the SEC, Kardashian failed to disclose a $250,000 payment she received for a June 2021 Instagram story promoting the crypto asset, thereby violating U.S. law that requires people promoting securities to disclose if they were paid to do so. See, this, I have to admit, I was a little bit surprised by this story. Um, it sounds like I'm setting up a joke, but I'm not. I, I was surprised by this story because someone who does as many ads is, and is a seasoned influencer, yeah. you would think they know it. they have to disclose it's an ad, right? I mean, that that seems like table stakes, as they say. I would guess that her team whiffed really bad on this. And I'm not sure how that slipped through her team because you know she's not the one making the tweets and making the decisions on all of this. It's it's happening behind the scenes. So somebody uh, really, really dropped the ball on that. Mm. Or maybe they thought they weren't going to get caught because there's a very popular influencer right now that's under fire because they weren't disclosing that some, a lot of their campaigns were ads and they were getting paid. So maybe they just didn't think that anybody would like do anything about it. Why would you not disclose it? I, I don't understand. Oh, I, don't, the, I have yeah. no idea. I don't either, but she had 250 million followers. There's no way she, that it wasn't going to get noticed. Uh, speaking of influencers, there's talk that my 13 year old daughter might run TikTok for me um, this summer as an internship. She will create a Pete the Planner TikTok account. Yes. Uh, 
I will be in the videos, but she will do all the thumbing, if you will. She will create things and, and whatnot. And so she's really hot on the idea. I'm considering it. And I'm curious on, on Kristen, what do you think about that? I think you should do it. But TikTok, Twitter is a, can be a very mean place, but TikTok can be even more so. Um, oh, good. So I need that. prepare yourself for that, I think. Uh, your, your, team, your team takes the arrows on those, not you. So it, it just make sure that she's prepared for uh, for flame. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that just ruined it. I don't need her to see people being mean to me because she herself at 13 years old is mean enough. And it's with that we end the show. Chris, I'm excited to see you and your giant head this week. Dame, it's good to see you dry and out of the hurricane's path. To everyone else, I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget, especially the cost of large hats. That's all we have. So... Goodbye to you. This is Pete the Planner. Good day. That was a reference to your big head. It just didn't. It didn't land. It didn't land. <laughs> like like seven forty seven. Seven forty seven. We're gonna have name tags, you know, at a reunion because no one, not everyone, knows each other. What should we reference the size of your cabeza on your your name tag? Yeah. Why not? Can I bring a like a, a tape measure and we can measure the circumference no. of your head? No. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to measure the circumference of her head, Dame. And then we're going to do some math and we're going to figure out how many jelly beans could fit in her head. And then we're going to have a contest here on the show to see who can guess how many jelly beans could fit in her head. That's a very fall thing to do. Candy corn. We'll do candy corn. Candy corn. Perfect. As long as I don't have to do the math. So which way is it big? Is it is it like tall? Is it no, wide? Or is it like front to back big? Or the whole thing? The whole thing is big. My dad says that I'm like a Rottweiler. Oh, do Rottweilers have big heads? Yeah, they're like they're like pit bulls. They have like a really like big head. Do you drool a lot? <laughs> Not usually. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. I'm not going to be able to not look at your head when I see you. That's fine. I also, that's why I wear my hair curly a lot too, because you can't tell as much. I don't know if I've, I've maybe only seen it curly once. Of course, I've only seen you curly or I've seen you like five times. So, oh, in person, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, the show's getting really good at this point. The show's so over. <laughs> um, Dame, I'm glad you're safe. Kristen, um, I hope you can fit through the door. Thank on you. your way out to reunion. <laughs> you I appreciate shot your head. <laughs> uh, everybody else, stay getting money.